I add a statement that Peter made after Jesus talked about the difficulty of rich people going to heaven after he had told the rich young ruler to sell everything he had and the rich young ruler went away sad. And Peter says in 1927, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And I think that's kind of the key statement that leads to some of the things that we have been seeing. For example, Jesus said in 28 to 30 that uh, they would be blessed with authority with Jesus and they would be blessed with many more uh, family members and farms and whatever, uh, but persecution also and eternal life in the end. But then Jesus in chapter 20, I believe, deals with kind of the wrong attitude that Peter's uh, question was based on. Kind of this idea, well, we did this, what do we get? Kind of this, you know, so much work for so much pay kind of an idea. And Jesus tells this parable where the one that hired the servants gave them all the same pay, even though he hired them at different times and they worked for a different amount of time. And that really this is not based upon, well, you get so much for so much work. Um, so, I think this next section has a lot of applications, but that it very much fits in with this same idea of things being inverted from the way we look at things. So 17 to 19. As Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day he will be raised up. Now, you think about passages like 1930 and 2216, the last shall be first and the first last, Here's an illustration with Jesus himself. He gives a detailed prediction, almost a table of contents to the story of what's going to happen to him. And what does he say is going to happen to him? He's delivered up and chief priests and they're going to condemn him to death. Yes. And going to be mocked and scourged and crucified and then raised up. So here's a case where, you know, Jesus reverses things. He was totally rejected and yet God raised him up. Things are not the way the world values them. The way the world judges things is not the way God judges things. And, and really we have been looking at a whole co context starting in chapter 19 of how God sees everything so differently than what man does. And how God is, is really good at, at almost reversing the way men look at things. So, comments and questions on that little section. Well, look at the timing of this next section. And it appears from the other Gospels, too, that this may have occurred together. 20 to 28. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand, one on your right, and one on your left. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, We are able. 
He said to them, My cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercised authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. So, Jesus is talking about how he's going to suffer, and uh, James and John's mother comes along and asks for what? Prominent positions for sons. Yes, I want my sons to sit on your right and on your left when you come into your kingdom. Does it just seem like it's not good timing? <laughs> you know, Jesus is talking about what he's going to suffer. She's saying, oh, and can my sons have the best seats when, when you're there in your kingdom? It's almost like there was no understanding or sympathy for what Jesus was saying. She wants her sons to be glorified. Mothers would never do anything like that today, would they? <laughs> you know... Doesn't this sound like, you know, 21st century America? You know, where mothers are always sensitive to what's happening to their boys and, and, and they'll do all sorts of things to try, to try to get them what they want and get them honored and glorified. You know, people are often really sensitive to, uh, to things like that, to, to more or less the, uh, you know, position that their children are going to get. And, of course, they don't have a good concept of, you know, what his kingdom's going to be like. They're thinking in terms of this glorious kingdom. And if you can be on the right and left hands of Jesus when he's in his glory, this would just be the greatest thing you could ever wish for. And uh, you remember that Matthew has already had a request from a mother for her child? Remember that one? Little different uh, request. Very insistent request. Is it the Phoenician? Yes. What did she want? The demon. The cast demon out? cast out of her daughter. You know, you just appreciate the humility in that versus the pride involved in some of these things. Hey, Colin. Hey. What chapter? Where uh, that is uh, chapter fifteen, verses twenty-one and twenty-eight. We are in Matthew 20. And uh, so, but Jesus doesn't immediately answer the question. He asks one. What does he ask? Well, first he asks, what do you wish? <laughs> yeah, well, he, yeah, he right. said that. And she says, I he want... Says, and then he, he actually says, you do not know what you're asking, which, that's the truth. But then what does he right. ask? Are you able to drink the cup that I am? And of course, what's their answer? Of course. Sure! <laughs> they have no clue. You know, yeah, they don't know what that really means. Really, I think one thing Jesus is saying in this, to ask to have high positions in the kingdom of Christ is to ask to suffer a lot. <laughs> Isn't that true? You know? Um, now, now they really don't know what they're asking because um, 
there were uh, there was someone on each side of Jesus when he uh, when he was glorified. <laughs> and uh, what were those guys doing? <laughs> Dying with him. <laughs> that probably wasn't exactly what they had in mind. But that's what Jesus saw as his glory. You know, that that that's you know, so so Jesus is is asking them to think about that, but they just glibly, you know, say, "Oh yes, we can do that." He says, "Well, my cup you shall drink." Now, certainly, they are not in every sense drinking the cup of Jesus. You know, did they would they die to save other people? No. So, but but would they suffer greatly? Yes. It you can't expect to be a follower of Jesus and be treated a whole lot better than he was. Jesus said in Matthew 10, if they called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more those, the, those of his own household. Um, so uh, they, they will suffer. <laughs> uh, but Jesus says, but as far as the seating arrangements in the kingdom, that's not even my decision. That's the father's. So he kind of defers to him. Now what I think is really interesting in this is verse 24. What do the ten feel? They get angry. They are angry because they are so upset that James and John would have had such a bad attitude to want to have these glorious positions, right? You don't think so? Wrong. Why do you think they were indignant? They wanted those positions. Yes, they're fuming because their brothers beat them to the punch. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, their, their fellow apostles beat them to the punch. It's kind of like, uh, you know, they called shotgun ahead of them. You know? <laughs> it's kind of that kind of a little, you know, rivalry kind of a thing. And uh, Jesus has to sit them down and say, look, you guys just don't understand. You know, in world, in world's, you know, standards, whoever is the greatest is the one who has the most authority. It's the one who exalts himself. But that's not the way it is in my kingdom. Jesus inverts the world's values, values as far as greatness is concerned. Who is the greatest in Jesus' kingdom? The least. The one who serves. The one who is a slave. You know, in Jesus' kingdom, the one who humbles himself the most is the one who is the most exalted. Jesus himself who gave himself as a ransom for many. Jesus shows the, the model that the thing to strive for is not to elevate ourselves and to try to gain authority and control and honor, but to lower ourselves and serve. That was what Jesus did. People are still getting their feelings hurt because people don't respect him enough. And, and people didn't you know, listen to him enough, and they didn't get enough honor, and, you know, other people, they got that, but nobody, nobody told, you know, I, I heard them say to, to some other person's kid that he did a good job, but they didn't tell my son that he did a good job, or whatever. You know, we're looking to be exalted, we're looking for, you know, ways of, of seeking worldly honor, and Jesus said that's all the wrong attitude. You ought to be looking for service. All right, comments or questions? Twenty-nine to thirty-four. 
As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed them. And two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd sternly told them to be quiet. But they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they re regained their sight and followed him. Here you have these two blind men who are crying out what? Have mercy on us. Have mercy on us, son of David. Why would they call Jesus the son of David? I thought he was the son of Joseph and Mary. They're recognizing that he's the Messiah. Yes, he is the descendant of David, and this is a, calling him basically the Messiah, the king in David's lineage. They've heard about him. They haven't seen him. They're blind. But they've heard about him, and they believe he's really the Messiah. And so they're crying out for him. And what's the crowd doing? Them. Yeah, because they're a nuisance, you know, bellering out, Son of David, have mercy on us. It could be annoying. I've, I've used the illustration before that years ago when I was passing out flyers in downtown Porto Alegre, there was a blind beggar that was doing that. He just, you know, he'd say whatever. I don't remember what his thing was, but it'd be annoying. Because his voice was kind of monotone, and he'd be hollering out, trying to get attention to get, get coins. And so you can imagine these guys are, you know, hollering, Son of David, have mercy on us. And they go, shut up, shh, shh, you know, don't bother him. But what does Jesus do? He calls them, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Does that sound like anything we've heard already? Look at verse 21. That's more or less what he asks James and John's mother. But wow, the answer is totally different, isn't it? She wanted her sons to be glorified. What do these two men want? To see. To see. You know, they're not looking for some great honor. They just want to be able to see. And Jesus is moved with compassion and touched their eyes and they regained their sight. Jesus cares about people who are suffering. You know, this bothered Jesus, um, you know, and even though from what Jesus is saying, he is very close to suffering greatly himself. It, that never interfered with him serving people who needed him or even with feeling compassion for people like this who are blind. Jesus gets his mind off of himself and his concern for other people so well. It's a really great attitude on his part. This kind of serves as the introduction for the next section where Jesus is welcomed as the son of David entering into Jerusalem. Comments and questions? So is this um, the last week? I think starting in 21 it is. Other thoughts? All right, 21, verses 1 through 11. When they had approached Jerusalem,